0: I remember as a young Christian, um, a song that I had a hard time singing was I Surrender All. And I had a hard time singing it, not because I didn't know how to sing it, but because I always felt like I'm over-singing myself. I surrender all. And I'm like, no, I don't surrender all. I still struggle with this. I still struggle with that. I I still want this. I still want that. And and it was like, Lord, how can I sing I surrender all? And I got to tell you, the song we just sang is another one of those that to me is an over-sing for me personally. Maybe not for you, but for me personally. It's a song I absolutely adore personally. I love that song but it's an oversing because I, I cannot honestly say to you that, you know, the, the thing that I desire above everything else is God. Maybe that might be true at moments, but it's, it's not true all the time. So even as we're singing that song, I'm saying to my, into my heart, in my soul, I'm saying, Lord, you know, I sing this as, as the cry of my heart. This is what I want. It's what I long for, even though I know I'm not there yet. And I'm sure maybe you're doing the very same thing. Truly, at the onset of this series was to just devote one message per, per minor prophet, though I did recognize that some of the prophets were longer, and, I, and I, even Jonah, for instance. I'm like, oh Lord, there's so many, there's several good points from Jonah. How can we focus just on one of them? And, and I'm probably, you know, I probably shouldn't do this, but I, I'm going to devote another message to Hosea because I feel like I just have to. And, uh, and it was really kind of scary, actually, because when I made the decision, I really didn't know what I was going to say about Hosea. But uh, I do, I, I feel like I have something to encourage us with this morning from the book of Hosea. So I hope when we're finished in just a little bit, and, and I've shared with you the thoughts that God has given to me, I hope that by his spirit, you'll be encouraged as well. Let me give us a little backup, just, just for those of you who happen to be, maybe our guest missed yesterday, I mean, last Sunday. Hosea is one of the minor prophets in the Bible. There are major and minor prophets. There's 17 total. Uh, there are, oh, I forgot how many there are now, the minor 10? No. 12, thank you. 12, uh, 12 minor prophets, that's right. And Hosea is one of them, and he is preaching to Israel, which has is by this point divided. It's had, a, it's had a revolution. They've divided down the middle, so to speak, and the northern tribes, there's 10 of them. Two of them stay in the south. They, uh, they go by... The northern kingdom, Israel in the north. Somebody asked me, what does it mean, Ephraim, that we see in Hosea all the time? Well, Ephraim was the largest of the ten tribes. So it's just another way of Hosea referring to the northern kingdom or to uh, to Israel, the nation in the north, whenever you read Ephraim. And, and really, I read it looking for that. And Ephraim is, is all throughout the book of Hosea. So that's just the, the biggest of the ten tribes uh, in the north. As I said last week, Hosea was a unique minor prophet in that he was called on. God to act out his message at some level. Some of the major prophets did this a lot, but as best I can tell, Hosea really is the only minor prophet uh, to do that. And the acting out involved him marrying a woman of prostitution and, and having children of prostitution. I, uh, I told you last week that I, I thought he married a woman who was already involved in prostitution, but some people say no, that Gomer probably was just a woman like anybody else in, in, in the village, and he married her and she became a prostitute. She left him uh, at some point. At some point, that's obvious what happened, Whether whether he rescued her from prostitution by marrying her or whether she wasn't a prostitute to start with. At some point, Gomer leaves Hosea and enters into a life, a promiscuous life of adultery and in prostitution, so much so that two of her children are most likely the offspring of her prostitution. And, she, and God tells uh, Hosea, Mary Gomer, because she is going to be a visible illustration to the people in the north of how I feel, because I married them, but they have spiritually prostituted themselves with all the Baals and all the false gods, and they're serving all kinds of of gods. So really, Gomer is going to be an illustration uh, of them. In Hosea chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, God says of them, says of Israel with regard to them, he says, For now, O Ephraim, you have played the harlot. Israel has defiled herself, that their deeds will not allow them to return to their God, for a spirit of harlotry is within them, and they do not know the Lord In chapter 8, verse 4, he says something similar. He says, With their silver and gold, they have made idols for themselves uh, that they might be cut off. He has rejected your calf, O Samaria, saying, My anger burns against them. You remember last week we talked about how in the northern kingdom they had created two places of worship and they had made two golden calves to represent God. And he says, My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? A craftsman made it, so it is not God. Surely the calf of Samaria will be broke, broken to pieces. Again, in chapter 13, verse 1, when Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel, but through Baal he did wrong and died. And now they sin more and more and make for themselves molten images, idols, skillfully made from the silver, out of uh, all of them the work of a craftsman. And they say to them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. In other words, when you worship before the calves, you had to, before these gold idols, you had to kiss them. Therefore, they will be like the morning cloud. That is, Israel will be like the morning cloud and like dew that soon disappears, like chaff that is blown away from the threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. So Israel has done exactly exactly what Gomer did to Hosea. She entered into a world of prostitution, adultery. she left She left Hosea at some point. And, and he's saying, "Israel, you've done the exact same thing to me, spiritually speaking. You've left me for the bales, and you have these, these false gods. And as a result of your idolatry, two things have happened. Number one, he says, "The land has become corrupt, immoral, and the knowledge of the true God has all but disappeared in this northern kingdom." In chapter 4 verse 1, listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing and deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes. As a result of their spiritual adultery, Hosea, or God, points out, man, you are reaping the consequences of your abandoning me. And the consequences are adultery, violence, bloodshed, murder, theft. They were all on the rise. We drop down to verse 6. God says this about their idolatrous tract. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. You've rejected what you know is true. I also will reject you from being my priest since you have forgotten the law of your your God, I will also forget your children. Here's what, here's what God says. You, in your, in your path of idolatry, you've forgotten me, and you've forgotten truth. You don't even think about me anymore, and you're reaping the world when, he says it another place in, in Hosea. So really, the, the northern kingdom FBI stats, they're all on the rise because of their adultery, because of their spiritually leaving God, and the knowledge of God is shrinking everywhere. And the second thing that's happened because of their idolatry is that God's patience has come to an end, and He is going to punish them, discipline them. And ultimately, He says, I'm going to destroy you because He had enough. Chapter 4. No, this isn't chapter 4. I've had to, I didn't write the chapter down, but it's verse 4. You'll have to find the chapter. He says, I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. Maybe that's chapter 7. I don't know. Because in chapter 7, verse 11, he says, So Ephraim has become like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. When they go, I will spread my net over them, and I will bring them down like the birds of the sky, and I will chastise them in accordance with the proclamation of their assembly. Woe to them, for they have strayed from me. Destruction is theirs, for they have rebelled against me. In chapter nine, verse nine, I mean, verse seven, he says it again. God says, the days of punishment have come. The days of retribution have come. Let Israel know this. They have gone deep in depravity as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Listen, in every chapter of the book of Hosea, chapter four to 14, God says that in every chapter, my patience is up. Judgment is coming. I am going to destroy you. But in the midst of all of that pronouncement of judgment, there's hope. There's hope. And so God tells Hosea in this picture that Hosea's painting with his life, not just his words. He tells him, look, I want you to go and buy back your wife, Gomer, who's now found herself on the slave block. Now how she got there, we don't know. She left Hosea. We assume she left Hosea. She eventually ends up being rejected by her lover's. And she is sold into slavery. Maybe she ended up owing somebody some money. She's sold into slavery. She's on a slave block. And God sends Hosea and he says, I want you to go and I want you to buy her back and bring her into your home. And so that's what, and that's what Hosea does. He goes and he buys her back and he brings her into his home. And then he says to her, he says, stay with me. Choose me. Choose me. Don't, don't go back to your adulterous lovers. Stay with me. Choose me. Be faithful to me. In this picture, Israel is on the slay block, exactly like Gomer is. Judgment is pronounced. God is saying to Israel, but God is saying to Israel through this picture of Gomer and Hosea, but even now, I love you. And even now, I will take you back. Now, the most visible expression of this is chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, follow along. I don't think I have it on the screen. But in chapter 14 of Hosea, the very last chapter, listen to what Hosea, speaking for God, says to this country that he's just said in every single chapter, I am about to destroy you. This is what he says. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity, because of your sin. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all the iniquity and receive us graciously, that we may present the fruits of our lips. And here's the fruit of their lips. They they say, take us back. And and Hosea says, come with these words. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands. For in you, the orphan finds mercy. Come back to God, Hosea says, and say to God, we've been wrong. We're not going to worship our idols anymore. Assyria can't save us. Nobody can save us but you. You have mercy on us, Father. And then in verse 4, God says... And I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily and he will take root like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout and his beauty will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Those who live in his shadow will again raise grain and they will blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. God says, listen, I will restore you if you will do this, if you'll return unto me. Now, that was the picture that God painted with Hosea and Gomer, literally through their marriage, all right? That was the picture he was painting. If you will return to me, if you will have me, I will restore you and save you, and and I will make your land to prosper again, okay? Now, Hosea never tells us what his wife did. We do not know what Gomer did. Did she respond to Hosea's act of grace, or did she return to her prostitution? Did she go back to her adulterous, promiscuous ways? You know, we'll never know. We, we like a fairy tale ending, don't we? And we would really love it if Gomer said, oh, Hosea, what you've done for me, I, you know, I will never turn away from you again. But we don't know. But one thing we do know, one thing we do know is Israel never repented. Israel never turned back to God, the lover of their souls. He never returned back to them and God destroyed them. And he removed them from the land. I mean, he utterly destroyed them and they never returned. The 10 tribes never came back. So I've entitled today's message, Promises Amongst the Pronouncements, Finding Hope uh, When Destruction is Coming. And I'm telling you, I'm so excited to share with you what I'm going to share with you now. And I hope, man, this lights you up like it lit me up, okay? So here we go. Now, believe it or not, in the midst of all of this pronouncement of judgment, man, there is hope. There is hope for them, but, but here's what I want you to see. Hosea is a book of hope for us. I mean, there's something in here for every one of you in this room this morning. There is hope for all of us in this room, and I'm going to hope to convince you of that. So I want to show you from the book of Hosea this morning, I want to show you hope from the past, hope for the future, and hope for right now for every single one of us. And this is about us, all right? So let's start with hope from the past, okay? Now, this is hope from the past for all of us. This isn't hope for the past for them. This was hope for the future for them, all right? This was hope for the future for them. But for us, it's hope from the past. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. Go, uh, Hosea chapter 1, verse 6. We read it last week. Let me read it again. Then Gomer conceived again. Remember, she's, Hosea's married her. And she's conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name her Loruhamah, which means no mercy. Name her no mercy. Name her no mercy, because I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel that I would ever forgive them. In other words, name her no mercy. When you're holding her hand and walking around town, you tell everybody, God named her no mercy, because God's not going to have mercy on us anymore. And, uh, And then... He says in verse 9, excuse me, verse 8, I'm going to skip verse 7, and then she had ween, when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son, and the Lord said, name him Loami, which means not my people, not my kin, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. So Hosea when you're walking around town and you got uh, Loami and and Lo Ruhama by the hand and you're walking them through the village you make sure you tell everybody God named them no mercy because he's not having any mercy on us and not my people because you are not my people. And so that was the picture, all right? But then Hosea continues. Look at what he says in verse 10. Yet the number of the sun you will not be my you are not my people. But yet The number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. Now, if we didn't know any better, if we didn't know any better, we might think that God is saying, hey, one day I'm going to restore Israel and these people that are not my people today will one day be my people again. But I have to tell you, that is not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that one day he's going to have compassion on people and they're going to be his people, but he's not talking about them. That's not what he's talking about. We know better. And the reason we know better is because God tells us exactly what this means. This promise through Hosea. Now listen, here's the future hope. I mean, the past hope for us, okay? Future hope for them at the time, but past hope for us. The promise from Hosea was that God would one day call all men, both Jews and Gentiles, his people. And this was a promise that a land where Gentiles were considered not to be his people, they would be called his people. This is a promise that all men, Jewish and Gentile, who place their faith in Jesus would be called the people of God and God would have compassion and mercy on them and they would be his people. How do I know that? I know that because in the New Testament it tells us, because God tells us specifically what this means. Romans chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9 because I don't have it on the screen and I want you to follow along. I want you to see it. In Romans chapter 9, Paul has been arguing that the true people of God are not the natural born Israelites, but they are, the people of, they are the people who have faith in God. They are the people who trust God. And it has nothing to do with their natural born Jewishness, okay? And quoting these verses in Hosea, look at what Paul says. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from among the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. And now here Paul tells us what Hosea meant. Verse 25, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said of them, you are not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. Here's what Paul says about that Hosea passage that we just read. That promise in Hosea was that one day God was going to take Jews and Gentiles and make them one man. They were going to, he was going to combine them. This is great mystery that nobody understood, that God would take the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people and he would bring them into his kingdom as one through his son, the Lord Jesus. And so the apostle Paul says, this is future hope. It's past hope for us. It's future hope for them. But it's past hope for us that we would be grafted in, that we would be joined with Israel into the people of God. And that's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. So in verse 30, I'm going to skip a few verses, but look at verse 30. What This is Romans 9. So what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, that is righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel, that's natural born Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they, that is natural born Israel, did not pursue it by faith. But as it is, they, it, they were based on works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I am laying this in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So what the apostle or excuse me, what the prophet Hosea is telling us and what the apostle Paul is telling us is that in Hosea, God promises in the future that he's gonna join his people together and they're not gonna be Jewish and they're not gonna be Gentile. They're gonna be his people, and he's going to have compassion on them, and he's going to call people Gentiles who were never called his people. He's going to call them his people. Now, that's past hope for us because we are that people. I don't know if there's anybody in this room who's Jewish, right? Any any, any natural-born Jewish people here? You are all Gentiles, you were all not the people of God, but today you are the people of God. And you are the people of God because God has joined you by faith through his son, the Lord Jesus. All right, isn't that awesome? I mean, that just so incredible. Now, okay, the people who were not the people of God are now the people of God. Because you, know, you see, the true Israel of Romans chapter 9, verse 6, when he says, Not all of Israel is Israel, the, the, not all of natural born Israel is Israel. It's you're only Israel by faith, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 2. The sons of Abraham are not the sons who are by sperm and egg. They are the sons who come by faith. Those are the sons of Abraham. Now, but Hosea, this is really cool. Paul stops. Hosea continues, but Hosea promised more. Listen to what he says in verse 11. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together and they will appoint for themselves one leader and they will go up from the land. So great will be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah. So here's what Hosea says. There's coming a day where God's going to join Judah and Israel. And I'm telling you, Paul already told us that he's not talking about natural Israel. He's talking about Israel by faith, and he says there's coming a day when God's going to join all men, all men in his kingdom, and they're going to be gathered, and they will appoint for themselves one leader. Who's that? That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. That's our King. You're going to appoint him, the Son of David, right? The King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to appoint him, for great will be the day of Jezreel. The day of Jezreel, Jezreel means God sows. Great is going to be the day when God sows. Say to your brothers, Ami. Say to your brothers, my people. Say to your Gentile brothers and your Jewish brothers, my people. Say to your Gentile and Jewish brothers in Christ, hey, God has compassion on you. He has mercy. He doesn't not have mercy. He has mercy on you. And we, man, I'm telling you, y'all are not as excited as me, and I don't know why, but we are the recipients of this past hope now realized and fulfilled. I, you, are the sons of God. We are the people of God. Lo-Ami, or Ami. Ami, we are the people, not Lo-Ami. We, ami, we are the people of God. Ruhamah. we have had mercy from God through the Lord Jesus. So that's hope from the past, but there's hope for the future here, okay? And I read a part of this last week. Let me, let, me read the, let me read it in its entirety this morning. And this is Hosea chapter 2, beginning with verse 16. So follow along in your Bibles. Again, it's not on the screen, but the, the, the nomenclature is there. But, but let, me, let me show you, beginning with verse 16. This is what God is promising in the future, okay? So this is hope for the future. A new day is coming, announces the Lord. Israel... "'Will call me my husband. "'She will no longer.'" Oh, she mean the bride of Christ, right? I mean, the, bo- the bride of God. "'Israel will call me my husband. "'She will no longer call me my master. "'She will no longer speak about the gods "'that are named Baal. "'She will not pray to them for help anymore. "'At that time, I will make a covenant "'for the good of my people, "'and I will make it with the wild animals "'and the birds of the sky. "'It will also be made with creatures "'that move along the ground.'" I will remove bows and swords and swords and other weapons of war from the land. Then my people can lie down in safety. I will make Israel my own. She will belong to me forever. I will do to her whatever is right and fair. I will love her tenderly. I will be faithful to her and she will recognize me as the Lord. So at that time, I will, ana- I will answer her, announces the Lord. I will command the skies to send rain on the earth and the earth will produce grain, olive oil, fresh wine and Israel will be called Jezreel. That's because I will answer her prayers and I will plant her in the land for myself and I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to you "You are my people, to those who were called not my people, and they will say, you are my God. This this promise is for a day when God's people will call God their husband, and we will no longer seek any God. And the animal kingdom will change, and the earth will provide food plenty, and there'll be no more war and no more bloodshed. There'll be no more danger. Instead, safety and peace will be ours. And God will say to the ones who are not my people, you are my people. And to those on whom he said, I have no mercy, I am having mercy. Now, now some say this is a promise for biological Israel, the natural seed of Abraham. And let me say, maybe it is. Maybe that's what God's got planned. But I'm telling you, that is not the gist of this passage. The target of this passage, the Apostle Paul already told us who it was. It was the people of God that would be joined together under the one king, the Lord Jesus. It is those of us who know the Lord, whether we're Jewish in ancestry or something else in ancestry. This is a promise for us. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us that the target here are the Jews and the Gentiles who will be joined in Christ. So to us, to all of us who follow Jesus, both Jewish and Gentile, belong the promises of God that he's given to us for a glorious hope, a glorious future that's coming. Revelation chapter 21 let me read when I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning, no more crying or pain. The first things have passed away. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God illuminates, illumines it, and its lamp is, uh, is the Lamb. And the nations will walk by its sight, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is what God has promised us for the future. This is our future hope. Now, let me break it down for you. This is a world without sin, this is a world with great joy, this is a world without death. This is a world where relationships and goodness and peace abound. This is a world in which we live in the very presence of God differently than we live in his presence now because Jesus, glorified like us, he'll be there with us and we'll live in his presence differently than we we live now. This is the future hope that Hosea gives to all of us. Don't you want that? I mean, don't you want that really? Really? Don't you look forward to that? Wouldn't you like to have life that never ends? Wouldn't you like to have life that's not only never ends, but it's in the presence of God and everything that's wrong has been made right? Where you can have the joy of riding your motorcycle without the fear of dying? Or or you can enjoy skydiving or scuba diving and discovering all that God has created without the fear of, of dying somewhere down at the bottom of the ocean or up in the, or on the ground when your parachute doesn't open. Don't you look forward to that? Don't you look forward to sitting on the front porch drinking ice cold cherry Coke where everything is in full color and you're picking on a sixth string when people pass by and you call them by their first name? watching the clouds roll by. Don't you look forward to that? Don't you want that for yourself? Man, I I know I do, and that's the future. That's our future hope, and we have that hope this morning, okay, because of a hope we have in the very present. And so here I'm finishing up with this. Hope for the very present. I was a new follower of Jesus. I had just begun to follow Jesus. I was probably 19, 20, in in these verses. I found these verses. I don't remember how I found them, but I remember at the time how they resonated in my soul, and I remember the confidence they gave me, and and I remember how I used to just read them, just to remind myself of what they say. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to read from Hosea chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, but He will heal us. He has wounded us, but He will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. Now here's the very hope for us in the present and it's this, that no matter who we are, Where we are, what we've done, whatever's going on in the moment, if we will return to the Lord, He will receive us. He'll take us back. If He's torn us, He will heal us. If He's wounded us, He will bandage us. This is our hope for the present, that you can return to the Lord and His grace is sufficient for any one of you. His grace is sufficient to restore us and to reclaim us. I think the reason for that is verse 2. Look at verse 2 again. And I don't know, I I may be reading more into the verse than is there. But when I read verse 2, I I think it's the reason why God's coming to us is as certain as the rain. It's because someone who died is revived on the second day and is raised on the third. And I can't help but say or or believe or think that verse 2 is not pointing us to and alluding to the work of our Savior after he died on the cross. Now granted, I'm telling you, it doesn't say that. I'm reading it in there. No, no New Testament author no, no, none of the apostles say verse two is pointing to Christ, but I'm telling you, I can't help but see verse two as the reason why if he's wounded us, he will heal us. If he's, if he's broken us, he will bandage us because somebody is going to be revived on the second day and going to be raised on the third day. And whether he understood it or not, I think Hosea is pointing to Jesus. Now, somebody told me last week after the service, they said, you know, Hosea means so much to me personally, because Hosea was the book that God used to break me. And this is what they said. I saw myself in Gomer. Gomer is the broken uh, prostitute, adulterous woman who has nothing. And Hosea is like Jesus who goes to the auction block and and pays for Gomer when Gomer has nothing, nothing, and pays for Gomer. Listen, Hosea paid with money and barley. He probably didn't have enough money to buy Gomer back, so he he gives barley for it. Well, if Jesus is Gomer in, in, in this picture, then he doesn't use money. He uses his own life. And you see what, folks, every one of us is is like Gomer. I mean, we're all sold. The Bible says we're all sold into sin. We're all slaves to sin. We're, We're all separated from God. And there is a sense in which Hosea does picture for us Christ. But he doesn't pay with money. He interposes his own life. And so the Bible says that when I'm on the auction block, slated to die, Jesus takes my place on the auction block. And he purchased my freedom. He sets me free. We're just just like that. He takes my death. He bears it for me. He puts himself in my stead. And he bears in his own body and in his soul the death that you and I deserve. He died for us. And why did he do that? Look Look at what Hosea said. Unbeknownst to Hosea, look what he says. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him that we may belong to him, that we may rise again. That's why Jesus did it for us, that we may live forever and ever before him in his presence. So, verse 3, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. You know, and I, when I was practicing this morning, you know, and I was going over this, the, the story that came to mind, it's probably come to mind for you too, I don't know, but the story that came to mind is the story of, of the wasteful, prodigal, rebellious son who went away from his father. He's, he's in a pigsty somewhere. He, he, he went, all of a sudden, he comes to his senses, and he looks at the pig food he's eating, and he says, man, how can, how can I do this? Why would I do this? My father's servants do better than me. I'm going to go home and say to my dad, I don't have any right to be your son. I'm not coming to be your son. I just want to be a servant. Will you take me back as be a servant? But you remember the whole point of the story? The whole point of the story is that while the son is on his way back, the father, every single day, looking for him. Every single day, looking for him. And then when he sees him, he puts shame aside, custom aside, and the Bible says he runs to him. And, Jose, and Hosea says to us, as certain as the, the sun rising in the morning... So it is certain that if you return to the Lord, He will come for you. He will run for you. He will accept you. He will restore you. He will reclaim you. And that is our present hope for today. We have have a a hope from the past that we are part of the people of God, that we Gentiles, we non-Jewish people, are the people of God by faith. We have hope for the future. God has so much prepared for us. And we have hope for the present that you can be a part of this. If you're willing, if you're willing, if you will return to him, if you will see yourself as my friends saw themselves, as Gomer on the auction block, if you will see yourself that way and see Jesus as Hosea going to the auction and paying for you and saying to you, now, come, be mine, be mine. If you'll see yourself that way, then this morning you can have everything. You can have all this hope that I'm promising you today. Just like the rain replenishes the earth, so Jesus will replenish your soul. Hosea tells us that this hope is for us in this very moment. This very moment right now. Your life can change. Jesus wants to come to you He wants to come, and he wants you to be his. And people say this diminishes God because, you know, he's he's giving you an opportunity to respond. I don't think so. I think to me, it it just aggrandizes, I don't know if that's a word or not, if that's my Spanish coming out, but it just makes God's love so much bigger for you. So I'm asking you this morning, will you avail yourself of the hope in this present moment to return to the Lord? Will you, will you right now, where you are, just say, I'm returning to the Lord? Now, bow your heads. Bow your heads, because I, I want you to just between you and God now. You're not looking around, but there's two applications to this. And some of you, it's not a matter of returning to Christ. You need to come to Christ. I mean, you, you have been from your birth a sinner. You've been from, your, from some, some point in your life, you, you chose to sin against God. You've been separated from God your entire life, but he wants you. I mean, he went to the block to buy you. He wants to redeem you in your, in your spiritual prostitution, your spiritual abandonment of him. He wants to redeem you. He wants you for his own. He wants you into his family. And I invite you this very moment right now to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You say, I don't, I don't get it all, Jimmy. I mean, this is kind of my first time here. I, I, I understand that, but I'm telling you, if God is at work in your heart and saying, and you know, maybe this isn't your first time, and God is saying, what keeps you back? Why don't you come to me? Come to him this morning. Yes, I, I, am, I am imploring you. And then there's, there's just some of us in this room that we need to return to the Lord because we're like Israel. I mean, we've been married. I mean, God has been our, our husband. We've been married to him, but we have fallen away and we have, we have gone away from the Lord. And today, I'm telling you, God is saying, come back as clearly, as surely as the rains come and replenish there, so his coming will be to you if you will come to him. You've got to to come. Will you come this morning? Those of you that came here this morning and you know your heart's been far from God, but today God has just been, he's been hammering your heart even as I've been speaking. Will you return to him today? I don't make apology for this. This isn't easy for me. I don't like to do things like this. I don't know why. It's my personality. But through Christ, God is, through me, Christ is begging you, be reconciled to God you reconciled to God, but I'm giving you an opportunity to respond. I'm asking you to get out of your seat. I'm asking you to, to just respond to the Spirit of God. You know, if, you, if you're this morning and you need to return to Him, you belong to Him, but you need to return to Him and you know it, then come. Get out of your seat. Come and kneel down here at the altar and say, Lord, come with words in your mouth. That's what Hosea told Israel. Come with words in your mouth. God, we repent We repent from these idols that we've put up in our hearts and lives. We repent. We want you. You come this morning with words in your heart and you kneel here at the front. You come if God is speaking to you. And some of you here this morning, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus. You've never trusted Christ. You're not following Christ. And I beg you this morning, come, come to the Savior who loves you. Come to the Savior who has so much hope for you. If you are willing, you come. I mean, you know your heart. You know what's going on. So just, if you need a return and God is He's crushing your heart, then you respond to him now. I imagine Hosea would implore and he would beg and he would say to Israel, come, come, repent. Repent for the time is nigh, it's now, come. Not Hosea, not anything, but I'm saying to you, come this morning, repent, turn from your sin, come back to the Lord. Some of you are far away, you know you're far away. And you need to return. I I promise I'm not trying to manipulate you, but I just feel like the Lord is saying, Man, is the Holy Spirit dealing with you? If He is, if He's not, then then thank God. Thank God that you thank God for all this hope for the future and the present and the past that He's given us. Thank Him for that while you sit there. But if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, won't you respond to Him? God, how we thank you for the past the past hope that you gave us, Lord, that is, that is now a present reality for us that, Lord, we are your people and we have found mercy in Christ our Savior and we have found the loving kindness of God and the forgiveness of our sins and a relationship with you through Christ our Lord and how we thank you for that and how we thank you, Lord, that we have a future hope, a hope of a, of a home, Lord, that is just as real as this one. And yet without sin, without brokenness, a place of peace, a place of, of no more death, and a place where we will walk with you daily and see your face and, and know you personally. In a, way, in a way even that's different than now, Lord, how we look forward to that. And Lord, thank you for the promise, the hope we have that today, this very day, We can find forgiveness. We we can come to you, Lord, and just as certain as the coming spring rains replenish the earth, so, so it is certain, Lord, that you will come and replenish our soul. Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for, thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This message has been brought to you by Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit us on the web at www.baconscastle.com.